Uh, it really is great to be together today. Um, I have to tell you, I had a little bit of fun yesterday. I have family that uh, live in Calgary where they had their first snowfall. And um, it gave me great joy to talk about wearing shorts and a t-shirt and going for bike rides around the city. So we are in a good season of weather and let's just enjoy it because I probably have the sense it might not last. Maybe. Um, you only need to be electrocuted once to then live with a greater sense of care and caution when handling electricity. A number of years ago in our home, we had a light fixture that needed some attention. And everybody that I talked to, even though I am not handy whatsoever, said, this is easy. The YouTube channel that I consulted basically said this, here's an easy job that anybody can do in their home. And so I figured even I could try it. So I did. And in the middle of working on this electrical socket, the fat of my hand touched a live electric wire. And I can remember the feeling of the electricity hitting my hand. I can remember the way my arm shot backwards. I remember the odd primal sound that came out of my mouth, part scream, part groan, part shriek, which I won't replicate for you here this morning. I remember the words that came out of my wife's mouth, something about life insurance policy or <laughs> something like that. I can't quite remember exactly what it was. Fair to say that now, whenever I approach any project involving electricity, I have great respect for it and abundance of caution. So even now, if I'm going to do something at home involving electricity, I would make sure I've got lots of time to work on it. I'm not rushed. I would have all of the tools that I might need sitting there ready to go. I would even have a printed out list, literally, on a sheet of paper of the step-by-step -step instructions that I need in order to carry out this project, and then I would call somebody to come and do it for me. Um, but the point is the stakes are high when you work with something like electricity, and it requires the use of caution. Last week, we started a new teaching series called Better Together, and we're looking at the one another statements found throughout the scriptures uh, that call us to be the family of God. And I said last week that the foundation of this series is that a local church is a family. And therefore, there's certain behaviors that ought to be part of the way that we interact with each other. And it's important every now and again to go through them again and take a look and kind of remind ourselves what they look like actually lived out. You remember that the church is a family. We're not an institution. We're not an organization. We're not just a nonprofit. We actually have this call from Jesus to practice the giving and receiving of unconditional love with each other. You remember Jesus last night with his disciples around the table. He said these words to them in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you. In other words, take notice. If Jesus gives us a new command, we get out our pens and papers and we get ready to write it down. And John did that. Jesus said, love one another. Love one another. Just as I have loved you. Now think about the phrase for a second. Think about the significance of what Jesus has done for us. Think about the, Jesus, the love that Jesus has directed towards you and to me. As I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. This is our calling as a family of God. 
This is to be the behavior and mark the behavior of a local congregation. Now, you might belong to a condo association or you might belong to some kind of pro- professional group with whatever your employment is, or maybe you volunteer at a nonprofit. I'm guessing when you sit for your annual meeting or your, your quarterly meetings and they go through the bylaws and the agendas and the budgets and all of that stuff, they don't end their meeting by saying, and don't forget, love one another just as Jesus loved you, right? That might be a little bit awkward. This is the marching orders of a local church that we ought to be practicing the giving and receiving of unconditional love to each other. This becomes what it looks like for you and I to be part of the family of God. And here's what I know about me. Um, I'm not always knowing how to do that best. It's not always intuitive to me. It requires intentionality. And so we have to wrestle as the people of God. What does it look like to actually live this out, this loving of one another together? And so we're going to be going through these one another statements that help us flesh this out a little bit so that we can practice this. Because we don't just want to be a bunch of people sharing the same worship service. We don't want to be just a bunch of people in a room. We're called to be a family to each other. Now, the statement that we're going to look at today, last week we looked at the statement to bear with one another or literally to carry around each other's pain in our hearts. Today we're going to look at a statement that probably we would use maybe less often. It requires the kind of caution that would handling live electricity might require. But it's important if we as Christ's followers want to grow in our identity and our calling to be his disciples. And the one another we're going to look at today is admonish one another. Now, I know you don't use this word. It sounds kind of maybe King Jamesy. So let me just talk, take a few minutes to do, unpack what it means. Uh, the word admonish is used eight times in the New Testament and derivatives of it are used 60 times giving us the sense that this is a common theme amongst the people of God. It literally means to put something into someone else's mind. To put something into someone else's mind. If we practice it in words, it might mean to give counsel, to advise, to steer, to direct, to encourage. If we were to practice it in actions, it would be to live a certain way that inspire other people to live better, to give them a new vision for what their life might look like, and therefore they might want to live like it. Or if you like, like me, great movies or art or literature, you read something or you watch this great movie and it lifts you up and you just want to go and live better because the movie put an idea into your mind about what your life could look like. And now you have a hunger and a passion and a desire to pursue it. This is what it means to admonish one another, to give someone a vision for what their life could be like if they followed Christ more fully. So it's not putting people down. It's not putting them in their place. It's not running around pointing out everybody's faults. That's not it at all. And being admonished isn't new to us. If you grew up in a family with with parents or adults in your home that kind of gave you instruction, taught you things, you were admonished. If you have older siblings, uh, if you had teachers throughout your schooling year or even to your university years, if you're part of a life group, chances are you've been in an environment where someone told you something or shared something with you that you didn't know before. And when you got that information, you were able to live more faithfully. I think about people, some of you pay to be admonished. 
You might go for professional development. You go to your accountant, you go to your mechanic, and you pay to get some information about the thing that you don't know anything about, or you can't figure out, or it just, it's not working. They give you the information, and now you're better at it. Some of you sign up to be admonished. Maybe you sign up to be admonished about the book Second Peter, which is taking place across the hall, or to one of our groups or Bible studies that are going on. And the hope is this. I go here. There's things I don't know, I don't understand. I'm going to receive some information. When I receive that information, now I can live more faithfully. I can live better. I can live with greater wisdom and insight. So in the next few moments, we're going to talk about what does it look like to give admonishment, but more importantly, what does it look like to be on the receiving end of admonishment? We're going to look in, verse, in the book of Acts, chapter 18, if you'd like to turn along. We're going to look at just a few short verses, verses 24 to uh, 27, and it's on page 1725 if you're using the Red Bible in the seat in front of you. If you're at home, you can look it up on your phone as well, uh, whatever you have at your disposal, but I encourage you to, to follow along. This is a great story about this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, and this young, dynamic preacher by the name of Apollos. Let me read starting at verse 24, chapter 18. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, so think northern Africa, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor or passion and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. We'll, we'll pause it here for a second. So here's this context. You've got Priscilla and Aquila. They are a wealthy Christian couple. Uh, they have a tent-making business of which the Apostle Paul worked for them at different occasions. They were known to travel between Rome and Corinth and Ephesus. They were movers and shakers in the Christian world. And when they're written about in different parts of the New Testament, you see that they're a couple that people really loved. They're spoken of so highly. They're a constant source of encouragement to everybody that they meet. And in their uh, church in Ephesus one Sunday, they hear the news. The big young preacher has come to town, Apollos, and he's going to be speaking at our church on that Sunday. And Apollos shows up. Apollos is a new convert. He was born in Alexandria, which is northern Africa, which at the time was kind of the intellectual hub of the ancient world and would later become really the center of Christianity for a number of years. And he's a superstar. He's got quite a following, and people are eager to hear him speak. He's intellectual, he's been well-educated, he's passionate, and when he speaks, there is a response and there is a result. But Christianity's new, and as Christianity is spreading throughout the ancient world, sometimes as it gets spread, it gets spread in its incomplete form, and people don't have all of the information, and so there's constant need for people to keep learning and keep hearing the fullness of the Jesus story. This was Apollos' case. He wasn't trying to mislead anybody intentionally. He just didn't have all of the information about the Jesus story. Now, if you're sitting in church, and maybe you felt this way... <laughs> and you hear someone up here speaking, and you're not so sure, or you've got some questions, or that doesn't sound quite right to you, or that sounds a little bit incomplete to you, or you're sitting in a Bible study group, and someone says something, and you think, hmm. Or you're sitting in, a, in your life group, or you're visiting with a friend over coffee, and you hear them, or you maybe, you hear them talking about plans for their life, and you think, 
I'm not sure that's going to end like they think it's going to end. What do you do? What do you do when it's you wondering, I'm not sure that that person has all the information. I'm not sure that person, if they keep acting in that way or going down that path, I don't think they're going to get where they think they're intending to go. What would you do? Well, you would do maybe what most people do, which is assume the worst, assume they have ill intent, and then get on Facebook and share it with everybody. This is an option, is it not? Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 for a second, verses 15 to 17. We looked at these verses a little bit last week where Paul, again, gives us some ideas about what it might look like if we found ourselves in this situation, how to admonish somebody. Colossians chapter 3, 15 to 17, it reads like this. Let the peace of Christ rule or be Lord of your hearts, since as members of one body, so members of one church, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish, there's that word, one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart for the Lord. Paul says three interesting things here. If we were ever in a situation where we thought, you know what, I feel like I need to have a conversation with somebody I care about, about something that's going on in their life. The first thing he says is that that conversation ought to be ruled by peace. If you're mad, if you're angry, if you're angsty about that person, don't have the conversation. The tone ought to be peace. I've got peace that this is the right thing to do. I've reflected on it. I've thought about it a while. I'm at peace with this decision, and then I have the conversation. Next, Paul says, have, be thankful. And I love this. Thinking about us having a conversation with someone and thinking, you know what? I'm going to take 10 minutes and think of all the reasons I have to be thankful for this person. All the things I appreciate about them. All the things I see in their life that they do well. All the ways that they are a gift to me. And think about someone coming to you in a conversation and they're kind of overflowing with thankfulness, but they also have this thing that they need to speak to you about. There's an example in Romans where Paul is doing this with the church in Rome. Let me just read you a little snippet of his conversation. He's kind of challenging them to say, look, you guys aren't helping out enough reaching Gentile people. I need your help. But this is how he starts the conversation. He says, personally, I've been completely satisfied with who you are and what you're doing. You seem to me to be well-motivated and well-instructed, quite capable of guiding and advising one another. It's a thankful tone. And then he goes on, and I won't share all those verses, where he kind of challenges them a little bit and says, I need, I need your help. The third thing Paul says here is, let the message of Christ dwell in your hearts. And I think the emphasis here is your hearts. In other words, don't try to apply the scriptures to somebody else's life if you haven't yet applied it to your own life. The words of Jesus, uh, don't point out the speck in someone else's eye if you have a two-by-four sticking out of your own eye. Meaning explore your heart, explore your motives. If it's jealousy, if it's envy, if you're just trying to get back at somebody, none of those are honoring and you should never admonish someone coming from that place. So Paul offers us these warnings. It's almost like he's saying, this is like a live electrical wire. If you do this wrong, you could blow something up. You could do harm and not good. Now, I want to talk for a second about what it would be like to be on the receiving end of admonishment. What's it like to receive? You can't give admonishment to somebody and not 
receive it. That would be spiritually immature. So let me start with a, a question. Raise your hand and only raise your hand. If you fully understand everything about life and faith and feel that on average you are killing it every day of the week, that you're kind of awesome, just raise your hand if that's you. Okay, same response as the first service. So what you're saying to me is that there's certain things in life that you sometimes struggle with. There's some things in life that you fully don't understand. And there's some things in life that you have to learn. Is that fair? So if that's the case, then what I hear you saying is, boy, I could benefit from somebody sharing some information with me about things on occasion. I could really benefit from someone helping me understand things that I don't yet understand. I could really benefit from talking to somebody who's been through something that I'm now going through or been down a road that it looks like I'm going to be heading down. And if that's the case, then great. It means in theory, we should welcome being admonished by other people because we're humble and we recognize I need to grow I need to learn. There's so much I could benefit from the blessing of wisdom and insights from other people. So when people share things with me, I will gratefully receive it. Let's go back to Acts, the story in Acts with Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos. Back to verse 26. Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They invited him to their home. And they explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love that. They listened to him. They invited him to their home. And they explained the way of God more adequately. Verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go off to Achaia, he finished his preaching gig in Ephesus. The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public in debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now, I think Priscilla and Aquila in this story are role models for us. If you're concerned about somebody, you're concerned about the direction of your life, there's some things in their life and you've just been kind of wrestling with it and you feel like you need to speak because they invite him to their home. They show hospitality. They welcome him to their table the most family-like setting that they had at their disposal. Now, if you're a Paulist getting invited to that lunch, and maybe here today someone's invited you to their home for lunch after the service, I have no idea what their agenda is, but maybe you're being forewarned. If you were a Paulist sitting at the dining room table with this couple, and they're going through and they're talking and sharing how much they appreciate you and they're encouraged by your message today, and then also they say, oh, and they, you know, I don't know if you've heard and they share the more full story of Jesus and baptism in particular, how would you respond? When the time actually comes and someone actually comes to admonish you or to share a piece of information with you that maybe you don't have that would be really helpful so that you can be more faithful or live better, what is your natural inclination in responding? Are we approachable? Are we teachable? Are we humble? Is our desire for holiness greater than our desire for pride or to present a certain image? 
If we're, as a parent, really struggling in a certain season, are we humble enough to read a book, ask for help, have a conversation with someone whose kids are older than ours? If you're trying to figure out some conflict issues in your family, are you open to reaching out and getting some help? Remember, we all agreed that none of us were perfect and we could all benefit from some help from somebody. So what will our attitude be when we get to that moment in life when either we need help Or maybe someone comes to us and shares something with us that they think needs addressing. Now, my favorite part of this story is that Apollos got better. Same messenger, better message. Same preacher, better understanding of what the gospel story really was. And Apollos goes on to be one of these influential preachers that took the gospel all around the ancient world and kind of encouraged and strengthened local churches. Why? Because Priscilla and Aquila were kind and thoughtful and shared the admonishment in the right way. And Apollos was humble and teachable. He received it and it made him better. Now, as Christians... The posture of our heart ought to be humble and teachable. In fact, when I think of the people of faith that I look up to the most, the people that encourage me the most, the people that I kind of quietly in my own heart say, boy, I hope I'll be like them someday, are Christians who are so faithful, so thoughtful, so wise, but are always wanting to learn and grow. They are so open to learning and growing and figuring things out. I think of one in particular. It's not uncommon for him to call and say, what are you reading? What's the great new book? What's the blog? What's the thing that you've got that I could benefit having? It's a hunger and a humility to grow and to be better so we can be more faithful. Think about it. When we became Christians, it was because someone admonished us in some way. They put some information in our minds that we didn't have before. Maybe it was, I know I'm sinful, but I don't know if there's anything I can do about it. I know I'm broken. I know there's things going on in here, but I don't know if there's any hope for me. And we welcomed this message into our heart, and it gave birth to new life and to faith. And this posture of being teachable and humble, ought to follow us and even grow in intensity the longer we follow Christ. Meaning that when we show up to our Bible studies, when we show up for worship, when we go to our life group, there ought to be a hunger to say, in this space, there's something I can learn. In this space, there's something I can take away that will help me more faithfully follow the Lord. And so where might you need to grow? Is there an area of your life where you're feeling stuck and you've been stuck there a while? Is there a situation in your family or a conflict? Is there a habit or a temptation that you've got and you're just feeling stuck and you don't know what to do? And you could benefit from somebody putting some information in your mind about how to move forward, about some things that they have learned. Because here's what I know. Probably you've sat in a moment of prayer and asked the Lord for help. You've prayed and said, God, I could just use your help with this situation. And maybe you thought he was going to download something right into your heart or the Amazon truck would show up at your house and give you a book or there'd be some instant result from kind of in the heavens. I'm guessing most of the time the answer might be in this room. 
that if you were to come forward at the end of the service today and say, look, here's my thing. Here's where I'm at. I'm feeling kind of stuck. I just don't know what to do. That there's probably seven or eight people in this room who've been where you've been, who've struggled with what you've struggled with, dealt with what you've dealt with, and while it might not be exactly the same, they might have something that they could put in your mind that would help you move forward. And this is the gift of being a family. This is the gift of being a church family who are willing to say, you know what? This was my struggle. This was my story. This is what I've learned, and I need help. I can't do this on my own. You've got some things that I need. You've had some blessings and some gifts in your life, and my life could benefit from those in this season. And as we live this out, we do become better together. This is God's vision for what it means to be a family. Let me pray for us. God, we are grateful today that it is your nature to help us. That it is your nature to be giving us the things that we need so that our hearts can come alive to you, so that our faith can grow, and so that our lives can become a blessing to others. Lord, we recognize this could be a tender matter, and maybe someone has approached us or tried to admonish us and not done it well, and it felt like an electrical wire to the skin. And Lord, maybe there has been seasons in our lives where we've tried to be that person and encourage other people, and we've only kind of run them over. We pray that our hearts would be open and teachable to find ways to do this well. And Lord, we pray today that our hearts would be open and hungry to learn, to grow, to be humble, to be instructed, to be literal disciples who are learning what it means to follow you faithfully. And may we have a passion and a desire to support each other as we do that. God, we thank you that you long to build up in us this life of faith through the love of Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Please stand with us.